All right, welcome in, everybody. Overflow Beyond the Music, Season 4. I'm your host, Josh McCabe. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. But let's be honest, right now, with this quarantine and self-isolation or stay-at-home orders, there's really not a lot else for us all to be doing right now. So I'm here in my office recording uh, the intro of this podcast. And, uh, man, it has been some interesting times. That is definitely for sure. But here we are, and uh, we've got a great episode today with a new artist that, uh, well, she's new to me. She's been around for a little bit. She's been writing for several years. Her name's Riley Clemens. We had such a fun conversation, and I know you're really going to love it. But just so you know, one of the things we've been doing as Overflow Beyond the Music, just to pass the time, I guess, is we've been doing some Instagram Live stuff. So if you're not following us on Instagram Live, make sure you're following us at OverflowBTM. That's at OverflowBTM. And check out some of the Instagram Live stuff we're going to be doing. Today we had Brad and Rebecca doing an Instagram Live. We also had Andrew Holt of The Belonging On doing a quick Instagram Live. And I actually may play a clip of that segment in our next episodes. We had a really good talk and we got it recorded. So that was a ton of fun. But speaking of The Belonging, they just released a brand new song today, and I got to tell you, I I absolutely love this song right now. It's called Holy Song of the Ages, and it is just so good, and why don't we hear a quick little clip of it? This is Holy Song of the Ages by The Belonging. What a great song, and I think some of the lyrics you'll love, too, because uh, I think they really speak to the times we're going through right now, and if you're listening to this maybe a year later, I don't know, uh, we are in the the thick of the coronavirus right now, and uh, a lot of people are at home, a lot of people are out of work. Uh, I'm one of those musicians who is here out of work, had a lot of dates canceled, and not really sure where income's going to come from, but happy to keep doing this podcast because we do it because we love it. And, um, you know, if you've really been enjoying what we're doing here at Overflow Beyond the Music and you want to support and help out, please just send us a DM on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, at Overflow BTM is where you'll find us on all the platforms. You can get in touch with us that way. And uh, we want to keep this thing alive and keep the great content coming your way. Now, I want to warn you before we get into this episode, um, it's really not a warning, it's just kind of a heads up. We filmed this episode, um, or filmed, we recorded it, in uh, a warehouse where we are doing some filming for some other episodes. Some of that video content uh, will be available coming up, and I'll find a way to get some of that to you. But uh, I'm sitting in a position where I've got Riley on the phone, and I'm sitting in a a director's chair, and there's mics everywhere. And so at times you'll feel like you're hearing like some echo and and some stuff on Riley's voice. We did our best to edit it to make it sound as as clean as we could. But if there's some moments where where things kind of sound a little bit I don't know, echoey or chambery um, or verby. That is why we were in a warehouse and uh, and we did not have Riley on video. However, um, just because of the circumstances, that's why it sounds the way it does. So you will love this conversation. Riley Clemens, she is a gem, just one of the, the good people. I was saying that after this interview, you know, for someone so young, she just has a lot of character, a lot of personality, and and I, I love that. I love having guests on this show who have something to say 
and who who want to have a conversation that is that's real and authentic and Riley is just that. So check out my conversation here with Riley Clemens and I started out by asking her because at the time she was in between dates on Winter Jam. So I wasn't sure if she's on the war, on on the road with Winter Jam at the time or whether she was home. So I started out by asking Riley, "Where in the world are you right now?" I'm in Nashville. I am in Nashville, Tennessee. I have a few days off tour, yep. so just hanging out, talking with you. Well, you should have come over and hung out. We're in Franklin right now, just hanging out. So you're kidding? Okay, so you're in Nashville-ish too? Yeah. So I live. I live in Franklin. Um, Amazing. I grew up there. You grew up there. So what part of town do you live in now? I'm in Green Hills now. Oh, okay. So a little bit closer to like Nashville proper. Yeah. But I grew up in the Cool Springs area. Oh, and, very cool. And, yeah, in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. Well, we're literally on Mallory Lane right now in Cool Springs. Oh, I'm very familiar with Mallory Lane. That is crazy. There, How many lunch spots are in Cool Springs? Like, for real? So many lunch spots in Cool Springs. You really can't run out. You can try a new place every day. Yeah. You got it going on. But Green Hills is the same way, too, now. There are tons of restaurants. It's grown a lot. You know, here's how I know... Uh, of Green Hills, you know, when I moved here about a year and a half ago from Canada with my family. Uh, really? And we, yeah, and we click, quickly discovered that Green Hills has better malls. Green Hills Mall is way, way, way better than Cool Springs Mall, and I would say that to anybody. But you're absolutely right. And what else? What else does Green Hills have that you know you think people need to know about? Like everyone's got a taco place, a coffee place, a whatever place here. What What do you? What does Riley Clemens do in Green Hills that that gets you pumped up on a on a Friday night when you're feeling a little rebellious. Friday night. Oh, <laughs> I am so boring on a Friday night when I'm feeling when I'm feeling rebellious on a Friday night. I'll I mean, watch. I mean, in the food sense, it's like I'm gonna go eat oh. all the things I shouldn't. Oh, okay. Then I have a billion places. There's a good <laughs> taco place called Nada. Okay. Um, if I want to get coffee, I'll go to the Well. Yes. Which good spot. is right in Green. It's the best. It's such good coffee. Oh, I, there are so many places. I just tried a new place called Cava last night, and it was really good Mediterranean food. Emmy Squared, if you want pizza. I can go on. I I mean, I love to eat. I love some good food, and Greenhouse has a lot of good places. I think you just became their spokesperson. I might be hitting them up for some podcast sponsorship next time. You absolutely should. Born and raised in Nashville, you start learning the places. You, you, know, you know your spots. Yeah, so tell me about that, because very few people that live here were born here. I know. It's crazy. Everybody, um, this is a, I think this is a Nashville thing, but every, when you say that you're born and raised in Nashville, everybody calls you, and I quote, a unicorn. Yes. They don't, you don't meet a ton of people that are from here. Totally. Well, what was growing up in Music City like for you, uh, being surrounded by everything that Nashville is? You know, I lived, I grew up in a neighborhood in Cool Springs where, you know, every other neighbor was somehow involved in the music industry. Right. You would just see tour buses pulling in and out all the time, and it was just a very normal thing. Yeah. So the idea of um, doing music as a career was nothing that was outlandish. Um, so, you know, there wasn't, there's never been like the paparazzi or celebrity culture as much as, you know, other spots in America. It's very much... You know, they're just people and human beings and music is everywhere. So I think that the idea of doing music as as a full time thing um, has always felt very possible, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, it, when you're when you're around it, it just seems like it doesn't feel like a dream that you that you chase. It just feels like a a, a career path that's just open. Yeah, absolutely. I was I saw I, I was watching people do it. So immediately, it's like, of course, I want to do that. Why not? Was anyone in your music in your family musical? Yes. Okay. So one of my earliest first exposures to music was in church. So um, we went to a Southern Gospel church. My mom was in the choir. And I remember I have vivid memories of sitting on the edge of her bathtub, just watching her warm up her voice um, before church. And so I was immediately drawn to, you know, the rich sounds and the amazing lyrics that were in these Southern Gospel songs. And so that was the pull. I was watching my mom do it. um, And my dad will be the first to tell you he's absolutely tone deaf but he loves music so um, music was everywhere there was always music on in the house music was always on in the car we were all around it and so when when you think about growing up listening to music like for for me there's moments I can pinpoint it was a concert it was a you know go to the store and buy a cd or someone gives you a cd what was what was like a defining moment or a defining album or concert that that really inspired you and propelled you this is a crazy story but i promise you it's 100 percent factual but um i was probably uh eight or nine years old and i was going to a benefit concert in birmingham alabama and um i think it was for the tornado victims at the time so it was a benefit concert but the commodores were there so you know the brick house commodores and so uh we had backstage passes which was really amazing it was my dad and i um and we had said connections from just living in nashville and knowing people and so uh we were hanging out backstage and i bumped into the commodores and we were immediately friends and so uh when they sang Brick House, I sat side stage and they dedicated it to me, wow. which was one of those surreal moments. But I remember thinking, that is so cool. I want to do that. I want to sing music that people know and sing along to. Um, so that was one of the the pinch me moments that really uh, was one of those defining I want to do music moments. Also, the Cheetah Girls. I feel like that doesn't even need an explanation. You, were you like... Were you a Joe Bros fan? Yeah, I, I mean, I was all about it. I was a Disney Channel kid. I was all over it. I, all of the Jonas Brothers and Hannah Montana oh, and yeah. all of that. I was, I mean, anything, any show that had music, I was automatically drawn towards 10 times more. Do you remember, like, your first time performing, your first time singing in front of people? Yes, I do. So, um... As a really little kid, I was um, growing up in a Southern, a Southern Baptist church. You're around, you know, passionate speakers and passionate pastors. And so um, as a little kid, my parents tell me the story all the time. Um, They said that I love to preach. And so uh, any day of the week, I would get up on our coffee table and stand up there and I'd gather my family around and we'd start with music and I'd sing for them and then I would preach like as a five-year-old kid. Amazing. So uh, <laughs> that was early performances, just singing and dancing in the hallways. Yeah. And then I started taking vocal lessons at, um, at a studio when I was seven years old. And so they had a stage there where they would 
you know, host shows and get kids up on a stage, which was where I learned the basis of performing skills. And so do you remember, you know, we were, I was asking someone else about this today because I, I guess I never really thought about it. Do you remember your first time writing and writing a song and, and how that whole experience went? I mean, my, my first song I ever wrote was was bad but oh uh, yeah for sure yeah they have to be bad what do you remember what it was about was it about um was it about like dedicated to your favorite cheetah girl was it about a boy was it about <laughs> was it about jesus so good. like what, what it was it was i remember where i was sitting when i wrote it yeah and it's so funny we were on a road trip and so in efforts to entertain myself i was probably maybe six or seven at the time it was early on um, but I was sitting in the very back of my car. We were on a road trip to who knows where. But I had a journal. And I was like, oh, I know how I'm going to entertain myself next. Mm. And so I started writing my own songs about whatever we were passing on the road trip, just looking out the windows and writing songs about my sister or my brother or whoever was in the car. Super random. Nothing yeah. of any, you know, huge momentous thing but I just started writing songs about what was around me which is honestly still what I do now how how does that process work for you then you know when you're when you're writing songs about things that are around you you know it's it's easy and maybe maybe not but sometimes it's easy to be inspired by the good things you see how how do you document and journal and tuck away the the heartbreaking moments or the, the tough moments and, and bring those into songs? Man, that's a good question. Um, I started co-writing in Nashville when I was 12 years old. Um, yeah, so I had been writing songs up until that point because I loved music and because, you know, I remember turning on the radio at the time, um, especially Christian radio, and I didn't hear um, a ton of songs that spoke directly to me. As you know, as a young as a young woman, I I didn't hear a ton of young female voices, and so I remember even as a little kid thinking, I want to write music that I need to hear and that my friends need to hear, and you know, as a ten year old, eleven year old, that was that was what I wanted to do. That's it was really simple. I wanted to write music to encourage my friends, encourage myself, be honest, talk to young women and young people. And so I accidentally, this is such a crazy story. I accidentally met my manager at a choir concert in the eighth grade when wow. I was 12 years old. <laughs> it makes no sense. He was there to see his daughter. He's still my manager today. Only in um, Nashville, though. Only in Nashville. Only in Nashville. And so it was like this beautiful serendipitous moment where yeah. um, it was It was the, he came up to me. I had had the solo. He said, do you happen to write music? I was like, yeah, I do. Um, nothing I was writing at the time was any good, but I love to write. And so I started going to sessions with adults. I remember thinking, whoa, these people are grown. Uh, like when I was 13, yeah, about 13, I started, you know, going to sessions in Nashville. And I remember at the time, you know, walking into a room these adults have no idea what is going on in your 13 year old brain. And so the first question everybody would always ask during sessions is, so what, what do you want to write about? Like what's going on? And so from there I would just start pulling what I was experiencing, you know, in my limited worldview as a 13 year old, but still, you know, the things that were going on. Um, And at the time I remember a lot of the big questions I was asking were about, 
my faith then about God and about what what that meant to me. And so that was where the core of the song started coming from. Um, and then, you know, getting older and still now at 20 years old, I'm constantly pulling from life experiences, whether it's, you know, something going through as a family, something I'm experiencing in a relationship, something that's broken my heart, um, taking those things and walking into a session and just trying to be as honest and possible, as honest as possible and write the song that I need to hear. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's, I think it's so true. And like, I don't know if, if somebody said this or maybe it's just, maybe I just made this up and I should just frame it. But you know, the best songs are not written, they're lived. It's like, you got to live these things. And, and I mean, like on a totally different level, I, I've experienced that in my own life. You know, I was in pastoral ministry for about 10 years and writing music. And, but it's kind of recently where I just, you know, got drawn to the storytelling ability of country music to tell hard stories and absolutely. And, and that being a platform, have you, is there a song you can think of that you've written that, that tells a hard story and, and what's the story behind it? Yeah. You know, um, to this day, there's a story I put out in a song, um, called I'll stay that it's, it, it, to this day, it's still hard to sing and perform because it's an emotional story to tell. Um, but I wrote the song when I was 16, and I remember um, I couldn't drive at the time. So I had gotten dropped off at the studio um, just in tears, like barely holding it together with everything in me wanting to cancel this session. But yeah. at that point, it's like people are riding with me. I can't cancel sessions, you yeah. know? Yeah, totally. Um yeah, and so walking into the session, I had just come from this conversation I had had with my family. Uh, we were in the middle of a massive, complicated family struggle between extended family members um, and uh, this intense fight and heartbreak and betrayal. And specifically, I was watching my mom walk through this. I was watching her and so much pain from this person that had been in her life forever just choosing to walk away um, and choosing to do it in a way that was, you know, more painful than I know how to put into words. And I remember just watching that affect her and watching that affect my dad and watching that affect my family as a whole. And at 16, you know, I'm an empath. I tend to look at what's going on and take on those feelings and emotions. And I remember the struggle there was, I don't know how to make this better. Right. I like to fix things. You know, I, the type A in me comes out really quickly and I like totally. to yeah, try yeah. to find some sort of solution to make it better. And, um, you know, walking into that session, it was it turned into this, uh, I don't know what to say to you and I don't know what to do to fix it. Um, the only thing I do know how to do is just stay. And so uh, we wrote a song called I'll Stay that day in 30 minutes because it was just, we were just telling the story. And I had walked out of a situation directly into the session where I wrote the situation down. Um, and so that was, that was one of the first songs that I remember writing where I was like, okay, this is, this is where the ministry part lives, you know, the part that takes a story and um, take something that's vulnerable and imperfect and um, makes it accessible in a way that people who are hurting or people who are experiencing something similar um, can find 
some way to feel like they're not so alone. Yeah. So we have to live in that tension, don't we? Gosh, yeah. I'm, I, yes, I'm still learning that piece. It's hard. I mean, at 20 years old, I, I, I can only imagine that you're experiencing and wrestling with, with things. You know, if you've been writing since you're 12, like in all those years before now, the things you're probably wrestling with and, and trying to articulate at an age that I'm not even sure many of us could articulate those feelings. How, how, would, you, how would you find some of that? Because I'm sure you would write with older people who are trying to write songs about things that you, you have no lens for. Exactly, which was such an interesting piece of trying to figure out how am I going to write music that everybody can relate to. Right. And through that process, I really did find that, you know, at the core of... At the core of humanity, no matter what the age is, a lot of the struggles are common. They just change as you grow and learn. Um, and in the past eight years of writing in town, I've I've witnessed that straight on. But, you know, even at 12 years old, feeling insecure and not knowing what to do about it and not knowing where to put those emotions, you know, having conversations with my friends in their 30s, 40s, 50s now, my mom, you know, it's those feelings are still very much present you know those are things that don't really change you just learn to process them and um and deal with them differently and so I think that that became that became my method of writing songs at like 12 13 is walking into a studio and figuring out okay this is this is how I'm feeling what is the human level of this that, you know, no matter who you are, where you are, what you believe, what age, like what, what is the central unifying feeling there? And that's kind of been the heart behind a lot of these songs is realizing that there's a lot of, there's a lot of connectivity in the middle of things that you feel like you're very much in by yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. As we were talking just about writing songs and, and, sort of that journey for you you've been writing songs for a long time and now you're on Mm -hmm. tour right now you're on the winter jam tour um which uh apparently a few people come out to that don't they yeah a few people do come it's it's nice it's nice well i mean oh it's crazy i know i i was on that tour like a couple years ago and it's just like how i don't know it's like how many people can you fit into a volkswagen beetle and it's craziness, right. but the whole thing's so fun. And no, like everybody is so chill. Everybody is such a team and such a family. And Pastor Bobby is keeping everyone Pastor on. Pastor Bobby. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you a little bit about songwriting versus performing because they are two That's... different, I guess they're two different, not skill sets, but two different creative outlets. You know, I think that like most beautiful things in life god creates them with a sort of balance at least that's what i've been experiencing it's you know you have this time to lock yourself away in the studio and simply just bear your soul as much as you can and be creative in a way that's very intimate um and you know songwriting is a very intimate process I, I think and so for me that is a time to kind of have that moment to be honest with myself and kind of come back to ground zero and then 
you know, on the other hand, you have the performance element, which is taking that vulnerability and sharing it to a bigger platform um, in a live you know, show kind of way, which is also really exciting. And it's just a different means of communicating something. But I think to get something worth communicating, you have to shut the door and turn out, turn off the other voices for a while. So I honestly, I really love both elements. And I feel like I couldn't just write without performing and I couldn't just perform without writing. They both they both supply me with a lot of energy, yeah. um, but just in different ways. Well, it's funny because it, you meet people and some people are great songwriters and some people are great performers and some people are great worship leaders uh, or, or preachers, which which I really do view preaching as just another creative outlet. When I when I approach writing a sermon, I approach the same way I would approach a performance, uh, in that you're delivering you're delivering truth with with uh, an artistic bent. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely find that it's it's not all the time that great songwriters are great performers, and and you seem to be able to do both. Well, you are kind to say so. I it's. Honestly, it's been a learning process on both ends, but to me, it's always been important to have both of those things going on at the same time. I feel like they're both pieces of who I am, and, you know, honestly, some songs I write as Riley, the vulnerable performer, and some songs I go into a studio to write that's just for me, and it's funny how a lot of those end up being the ones that translate the best in a performance setting it all comes down to the song and it's just painting the song in a live setting um in the most honest and vulnerable way that you can yeah it's it's funny because when you think about songs like i rather listen to a shoddy demo with somebody singing slightly out of key of a great song than listen Mm -hmm. to the most slick production of a bad song I absolutely agree. I mean, at the you know, from a very early early writing standpoint, you know, my manager and label and co-writers, it was always it was always about the song. And I think that was something exciting to be around is I don't know if it's, you know, the writing culture in Nashville or the nature of writing Christian music that is so um so centered around the lyrics but it kind of ingrained this mindset in me that if you're writing songs that are lyrically telling a truth or telling something honest and vulnerable then the rest seems to take care of itself yeah in whatever way it needs to well one of the first things i do whenever i go to listen to music is i click on those three dots on spotify yeah and i i want to see who's involved and i noticed on your song broken prayers you wrote with uh a couple incredible writers wrote Ted T who also produced a track with Ben Glover Uh, but I noticed two names on there that I I don't see around the Christian music world too too much and that's uh, Emily Wiseman and Josh Kerr and Josh Kerr's written hits for Keith Urban and I don't know he has another hit now Uh, it's just it's hits for days basically right absolutely and so how'd you get connected with those two who who've been known to more right around the country world you know, at that when we started looking for possible uh, possible rights to go on uh, within Nashville, more so than okay, well, what genre is their wheelhouse in? It was more of who do you feel like you're gonna connect with as a human being? Yeah, um, 
because I mean that's a level where if you're sitting in a studio and you're just talking just as real people talk you're gonna get the best most honest material and so um Emily being a woman in her 20s it was immediately like okay there aren't a ton of female writers in Nashville especially in the Christian music world so it was important for my team to get me um, in rooms with women yeah, because there's just a different connectivity there as is and so Emily being a young woman who very much is willing to go to the core of things and discuss discuss real life problems but also has this lens of somebody who loves Jesus in a way that's real and and beautiful and something worth writing songs about yeah. you know it, I was immediately drawn to write with her and I'm then, such a fan of, of her because she um, she's just like I don't know her personally, but um, just through Instagram, I just I just think she says what she thinks, and she's unapologetically herself. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's really an inspiring thing to see in a young woman. And so it's been amazing to get to just see the lens through which she writes songs, because it's always, you know, you're always leaning into other writers and looking through their perspective and what they've learned as as a writer and as a human being. Um, but yeah, I mean, Emily's great and Josh is an incredible writer too. And it was a similar kind of thing of just as your life perspective, you know, you're writing these, I think despite the genre, music comes from a very similar place, you know, it's, it's about what you're saying. And I think that, you know, all genres are capable, all genre writers are capable of going to that place. What's one thing that you feel like you've learned now as a writer that you didn't know uh, one, two, three years ago? That is another great question. Oh, you know, it's so funny because when you start writing songs really young, especially within writing for Christian genre, um, your perspective of faith changes so much. And I, you know, it's like as a 12 year old putting faith in Jesus, that looks in a lot of ways very similar to how it looks now, but in so many ways it's changed as I've grown. And you know, the conversations I have with God are a lot different now than they used to be. And so um, I think for a while I struggled with this idea of as I'm learning and growing and as my faith is growing and changing, you know, is that okay? Like, you know, what do I do about that? Uh, And I think that in the past probably three, four years, I've learned to find a lot of the beauty in the fact that the music that I'm writing is is um is just a product of the fact that I'm learning and growing in faith and as a young woman um and I'm writing down I'm writing down the human side of that because I mean honestly the the people that are listening are walking through similar things so learning to pull from that rather than to try to hide it you feel that um and maybe maybe it's not a fair question but do you feel like being 20 and a skilled writer in Nashville do you feel like that can ever and and a woman a young woman does that put you does do you ever feel vulnerable when it comes to you know labels promoters uh the grind the radio world like do you ever do you ever feel like you kind of can get swept up in it and you know, well, what about what Riley wants? Yeah, I mean, I think that as amazing as it is to be in the Christian music industry, it's still an industry, Yeah, you know? 
Totally. And so I think that that's only something that you can learn by experience. And I just, from day one, I've said this, but it, it becomes more real every year that I'm, you know, in the business. But, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian songwriter, a Christian musician, but to also have a faith that is purely mine? Because when those two worlds, you know, when you're mixing up career and faith, um, you know, I don't, I want them to very much be able to coexist, but in a way that the part of Riley, the person who's putting her faith in Jesus is, you know, the baseline. Yeah. It's not changing with how successful the music is or, you know, how great a song is or what management or label or publishers think, you know, it's this baseline of this is who I am. These are my values. And just because I'm putting down, you know, what I believe, what my faith looks like into this song, um, the, the validity of that does not change depending on the success. And so that's been something that, you know, I have to remind myself that can't get swept under the mat because it's important. Um, and as much as you talk business, you know, business is business, but faith, while it can exist at the same time, is not solely restricted to that box as well. I once heard someone describe just a human body and about making changes and that saying that certain, you know, actually he was talking about addiction. He said addiction is, is a spiritual issue, but in order to deal with spiritual issues, you have to respect the brain chemistry. And Yeah, that's and I th- good. That's so good. And I think that in music, it's, it's an art and it's worship and it's for the Lord. But in order to do that, we have to respect the framework of economy that we work in because Good. we we don't operate in heaven where there's so much resource that they paved the streets with it because they ran out of space for all the gold, you know? Like right. it's it's one of those things that I think is is important and I think I think sometimes people on the outside and, and I hope people that listen to this podcast will get this that you know, we as musicians or, or artists or people in the art realm, we we have to put food on the table and we have bills to pay. And we also like we have value. We are we are human beings. That you know, when someone says, "Well, gee, here's twenty dollars to come sing at my church," it's like that. That really puts low. Is that how little you think of what I do? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's some of the best conversations that I've had with people in the music industry stem from that. You know, the topic of what's your value you know how do you serve in a ministry but also have value as a creative you know a creative person who's bringing their bringing their work to the table you know and i am always so interested to hear what people think so that's a good take on it well i think too and and this has always been my perspective that you know for you riley as like you've given your life to choose to sing about Jesus and choose to sing about, um, and when I say sing about Jesus, I mean in a way that honors him and that, that would lead people to him uh, and that being your heartbeat. Uh, how much more are you worth of my time and my money and of my support than just somebody who's chosen to work a nine to five? Now, if there's anything wrong with that, but you've given your life to this. Right. Right. And, it, you know, 
it's something that I'm still trying to figure out and I think it's definitely worth having a conversation about because and the reality is it's hard to understand without being inside of it yes and experiencing it for yourself but just like just like the music itself to your point it's you can just because you're a Christian writer um I feel like because of that, it's your obligation to write music about relationships, about experiences, about family, about insecurity, about doubt, about all those things from the lens of somebody who is walking with Jesus. Totally. Because, you know, these are everyday things. You have, you know, people stepping into faith for the first time that why, you know, did you not talk about this if you're walking with Jesus? Of course you talk about it. It's just important to talk about it from the perspective of faith, just like with business too. You know, it's it doesn't mean you don't have the conversation. It just means you have the conversation with the inclusion of your values and morals and, you know, the ethics that come from, you know, having faith in Jesus and being a Christian. Yeah, and I think that's so well said because, yeah, we always use the, well, you don't have Christian plumbers. You don't have, you know, Christian uh car wash opera i don't know why i thought car wash operators maybe because i need a car hey, wash it's but creative i like it <laughs> yeah um like we don't have we don't call themselves christian that christian that but what they do is that everything we do so i mean colossians says everything we do whether in word or in deed do it all for the glory of god giving thanks to the, uh, do it all for jesus giving thanks to the father through him and i think that yeah you're right when you write a song and when you perform it it's not as a christian performer it's through the lens of your faith that shapes everything right. you do. I agree. I mean, I, you can't compartmentalize Jesus. He's, he, he's there <laughs> everywhere. Absolutely. And, and, and if I may, over and over again, he, uh, he shows up for us, which is your, over and over is your new single. I was Come trying to segue. On, that's, no, that was great. That was beautifully said. That was a great segue. I feel like at the end of each season, I need to have a blooper reel of all the really cheesy segues I've tried to do. No, the cheesy segues are, again, the goodness that people need to hear that they don't know they need to hear. Well, at least it didn't go over your head because one time I, I did a really cheesy segue and I thought it was so clever and it just went right over their head. And when you have to explain it, it it's not as funny. No, it really isn't. But to your point, it's like I always tend to put out singles that are phrases that I say a ton. And so I'll be like, oh, yeah, let's um, we should do that, you know, over and over again. And then I'll just say it in conversation and be like, guys, I'm not trying to reference my own music. This is just this just is going to happen now. This is how it is. Yeah. Just please don't write a song like called like LOL or, you know. I don't know, like phrases that we say in text that we'd never say out loud. I know. It's so funny. I've, I've, it's crazy. I feel like I'm behind on the lingo. I had to ask someone the other day, and this is this is really bad that I'm on a media podcast saying this. That I'm like, what? Okay, can someone please explain TikTok to me? Oh, I'm so glad you're on the same page as me. I have no idea what TikTok is. Yeah, and then I had to say to them like like Michael Scott in the Office. Okay, explain this to me like I'm five because I'm still I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're gonna have to dumb this down for me. I totally get it. Well, TikTok any- is um, is an anomaly. I don't I don't know. I don't understand. Well, if anybody out there listening to this podcast can help break down TikTok to both myself and Riley Clements here, please hit us up on Instagram 
And we would Please. We, we'd deeply value that. We might even repost it if you can summarize TikTok in, you know, five words or less. And you'll find, oh, yeah. you can find Riley Clemens online, just Riley Clemens, just how it's yep. said and spelt. And uh, your new single's called Over and Over. So tell me a little bit about that song, uh, and then we're going to have a listen to it. I am so excited about this song. I mean, this, I think... It's hard because they're all like your kids. Like you just look, you look at your singles like they're your babies. Yeah. But I think over and over is my favorite that we've put out yet. Um, yeah, this song, it was one of the songs that I just brought in the title over and over. And I knew that I wanted to write a song that was called that. Um, I remember the idea came to me while I was driving, like most do. And so I safely pulled over. I was safe. I stopped. Don't hear what I'm not saying. And I wrote down the title over and over. Um, and it stemmed from, I was sitting in church and my pastor, Kevin Queen, um, was just talking about, you know, the basic need to recommit every day to Jesus. You know, it's like following Jesus is not this, you make this decision and, you know, every day it's just smooth sailing and you never have to think twice. It's like, no, it requires waking up every day and deciding I'm going to be a loving, kind human being who is, you know, who's going to choose to really act out what it means to love the Lord and follow him. And so um, I just remember thinking, oh, I want to I want to recommit over and over again. And so I brought this title in and I was sitting in the room with my co-writers just talking about, you know, I'm, you know, I'm choosing Jesus over and over again. It's not just this thing that just click, boom, done, choosing him over and over. And it was in the room that we started having this conversation of, you know, what's even better than that? God is choosing you over and over again, over and over again, because in all my humanity of oh, I'm staring at this this mountain that I was so sure that I had already gotten to the other side of, but here I am again looking at the same mountain. And just this whole idea of, you know, loving a God who looks at you and, and goes, you know what, now I have even more grace, even more mercy to pour out and give to you because I love you and I choose you over and over again. And so we wanted to write this song that was celebrating this idea and, and every sunrise, I find another reminder of how much you love me. Like you don't, you, God does not tire of choosing you over and over again and showing mercy to his children. He just doesn't get tired of it. Yeah. Um, and so I just needed to be reminded of that. I was at a place when I wrote this down that I just was having this struggle. I think like we all do of how can I keep messing up in the same ways? How how am I doing this? Like over right. and over again, all the time. But, you know, this, I needed to hear that I'm loved by a God who chooses me over and over. Well, I think it's a perfect segue to listen to a bit of the song. So thanks, Riley, for hanging out with us today and uh, taking time for the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Thank you for the good conversation. Hey, well, next time you're in town, when you're off Winter Jam, you're on the Winter Jam tour right now. So if you want to catch Riley, check her out on the Winter Jam tour. Make sure you get there early because those seats get filled up and you want to get a good seat. It's first come, first serve. So make sure you're there early. 
And um, Riley, next time you're in town, we will go for tacos at that taco place. We'll bring a camera. Nada. And you can can show us around Green Hills a little bit, all right? Oh, I can't wait. Sounds perfect. Thank you so much, Josh. This is fun. Absolutely. Hey, my name is Josh McCabe. I'm the host here on Overflow Beyond the Music. This is Over and Over by Riley Clemens here, Overflow Beyond the Music. Over and over There you have it. There's my conversation with Riley Clemens. She is a gem. Make sure you check out her music online. You can find her um, on Instagram at Riley Clemens. Make sure you check her out on Spotify. Her new single, Over and Over, is out now. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. We're going to be doing more great Instagram lives coming up at Overflow BTM. I'm Josh McCabe. I'm your host. Overflow Beyond the Music, Season 4, Episode 1. That's it for now. We'll see you again real soon. I'm alive.